Welcome back to another episode of One Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And what I want to start with is the situation involving the playoffs with the Boston Celtics. Um, I want to talk about the situation um, there and Game 2 and potentially Game 3 and sort of, um, you know, uh, what could uh, take place uh, going forward. So I want to just discuss, like, um, how things have been going, because it's actually been doing, uh, it's been doing uh, very well. So uh, let's, um, let's uh, get started with that. So um, for the Boston Celtics, um, it's been a great series so far. It's been a series that, honestly, nobody thought would go this way. And for the Celtics, they've been in the driver's seat throughout, and it seems like they've gone from a very, very questionable team when it comes to the first round of the playoffs, not in the eyes of Celtics fans, but in the eyes of a lot of analysts. And now it's become, well, they're, you know, a team that could win it all. Uh, You have... A lot of people going from, well, Brooklyn's going to give them a lot of competition and Brooklyn can probably win this series to now those same people being like, well, they're a title contender. And I think the Celtics are the team in the Eastern Conference that is the best. It's not obviously the record because they're a two seed, but they are the best team going into this playoff so far. And they're right now in the driver's seat. And I think they're a team that... If they play Milwaukee, if they play, you know, Chicago in the second round, they can come out on top no matter what happens. And you were down 17 to the Brooklyn Nets in game two, and Brooklyn basically lost it. You won the game by seven overall. So you came back and then won. And if you look at, you know, their team, Kevin Durant had 27 points, 23 points for Bruce Brown, 10 points for Kyrie Irving, 16 for Curry. 18 for Drogic off the bench. But the Celtics, every player on Boston's team that game had 10 points or more except Derek White. Derek White had 3 points. Everybody else had more. 10 points for Pritchard. Grant Williams had 17. 22 for Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart had 12. Uh, 15 for um, Tice. 16 for Horford. Tatum had 19. 10 assists. They haven't been playing any of the guys on their bench. Cornette. Uh, Morgan, Fitz, Hauser, Nesmith, Salkis. Uh, it's basically been Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, and Derek White off the bench who've been getting minutes. And then obviously when Robert Williams comes back, he'll be on the bench for maybe the first one or two games, and then he'll be a starter again, and Tice will take his spot on the bench. So not a, a bad situation. If you have nine solid players like the Celtics do, uh, that's a great team to have. And even, you know... Uh, with all these moves they made at the deadline and they got rid of a bunch of players and they brought in sort of just guys to fill their five spots or four spots or whatever they need to fill, um, they still have a great team. And at the playoffs, most teams only use eight, nine players anyways. And you're usually rotation of 15 goes down to seven, eight, nine, more likely eight or nine when it's all said and done. And a lot of the bench players don't play unless you really need them to. Or it's like you're up by 35 points. There's like four minutes left in the game. And you're just like, we're not going to risk our starters getting hurt. So we'll put in, you know, the backup, you know, players. Um, But this series has gone very well for Boston. They're, you know, 
working with defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, who's been great. You know, Al Horford's great on defense. You got Derek White, who's been great on defense. And this team is built for success, and Yudoka is just the right coach to be with this team. And I like kind of what Yudoka brings to the table. I like kind of where Yudoka fits in with this team. And I think Brad Stevens in his first, you know, stint as the the main guy, general manager, taking over for Danny Ainge, he's done great. Uh, and I have to give credit to the ownership group in Boston. And they've always tried to put the best team forward. They've always tried to make the best moves no matter what the cost. So, you know... I don't think Brooklyn's going to win this series, and I'd be surprised if they win more than two games in this series. I think maybe they'll win a game at home, and then Boston will finish it out in Game 5. If Boston loses in uh, two games at home, they'll probably win two games in a row, or win one in uh, Brooklyn, probably you know lose Game uh, 3, win Game 4, lose Game 5, win Game 6, end the series. Brooklyn's not winning this series, and Boston is a team that has a lot going for them and if the Milwaukee Chicago series goes seven games then in the case of Boston they can sit there and if they go four or five games then they have you know time to rest a little and see how the rest of these matchups go and you know hopefully um, it's you know a great series in the next round for Boston against whoever they play it's probably going to be Milwaukee but if it's Chicago then Hopefully it's a good series as well. I just think that the defensive matchups with Milwaukee would be great with Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart and, you know, some of the other guys on their roster. And I think, you know, that'd be a fun matchup to watch. Um, and I think Boston's a team that really, you know, has what it takes to go all the way this year. And you can make arguments for and against them in terms of making it far in the playoffs and losing in the next round or this round or what have you. But I think they're just overall a great team, and I think they have a lot of talent. And they're a team that they just know how to win, and it's been like that all season. And it's, you know, they've gone from 11 seed to 2 seed, and they've been sort of the, you know, hottest or one of the hottest teams in basketball. They know what they're doing with this team, and they have. Um, you know, a, uh, you know, a great, um, you know, great lineup. Uh, according to uh, head coach Adama Yudoka, he says Robert Williams will play in game three, but it'll be limited minutes. Um, and Williams, uh, who has missed uh, a lot of games, uh, he will undergo pregame workouts to see if he's ready to go. Um, if he does take the floor, then... Um, he will uh, only play a little bit of the game. Udoka, according to Gary Washburn, Udoka said Williams will go through a standard pregame workout to determine if he's ready. Udoka said Williams has already done enough to prove he's about ready. So that would be a big win for Boston, even though most likely he's not going to end up playing. Um, just in my opinion, it won't be that many minutes, if at all, just to kind of get him back into the swing of things. Um, and... Uh, We'll see what happens uh, right there um, in the game. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this uh, matchup um, and uh, looking hopefully to see how how things end up going. So not complaining about uh, this one and hopefully they can get a, a victory and 3-0 um, is where we go.
Uh, next up is the Red Sox, who defeated 4-3 to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And we saw uh, a very good uh, game uh, for them. Michael Walker ended up getting the victory. Corey Kluber ended up getting the loss. Matt Barnes ended up getting the save. Um, we saw one hit from Trevor Story, one hit from Devers, three hits from Bogarts, two hits in RBI for Verdugo, two hits in RBI for Hernandez, one hit, one RBI for Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, and one hit for Vasquez, getting us to four uh, four runs. Rays, Tampa Bay Devil Rays, we saw two hits and two RBIs for Wander Franco, um, and uh, one RBI for Lowe, and those are your RBIs on their side. We ended up seeing Waka, five innings, three hits, two earned runs, two Ks. Davis, an inning. Strom, uh, two-thirds of an inning. Diekman, two-thirds of an inning. Robles, one in the third inning. And Matt Barnes, a third of an inning to close it down. Um, and they look uh, very good. Kluber, only uh, five innings, 11 hits, four runs, three Ks. He allowed one home run. Waka allowed two home runs. Then we saw Guerrero come in for an inning. Posh come in for an inning. And Sanders for two innings. And, yeah, it was a good game for the Red Sox, who... Um, ended up getting um, what they needed um, in the seventh uh, inning. Well, actually, uh, they got two runs in the first and two runs in the third. Uh, Tampa Bay got a run in the first, a run in the fifth, and a run in the seventh and couldn't get it done after that. So uh, it was a great game for the Red Sox, who now are 7-7 seven and seven with an even 500 tied with uh, Tampa Bay uh, for the standings there, um, we have the Toronto Blue Jays, who are 9-5, the Yankees, who are 8-6, Red Sox and Tampa Bay, who are 7-7 seven seven, um, to make up the um, American League East and their standings. Cleveland is in first place with Chicago, a game back in the Central and then the Angels are tied with the Mariners for their record. And Oakland is a half game. They're in third place. They're only a half game back uh, after they traded away like most of their top-tier players. In the National League, the Mets 11-4 with the Braves four games behind them. Mets did big things in free agency. The St. Louis Cardinals are in first with the Brewers a game behind them. The Dodgers are up a, half, a game and a half over San Francisco and the Rockies with the Padres two games back. And the worst of the worst, Cincinnati Reds uh, are the worst record in baseball. For those of you just wondering. So, uh, let's move on to the Patriots. Now, Thursday is draft day. Patriots draft comes on Thursday. Patriots draft... Uh, is coming, and we have eight picks. We have a first-round pick, second-round pick, third-round pick, fourth-round pick, two fifth-round picks, two sixth-round picks. So I don't know exactly what the Patriots are going to do, um, and I don't know what they're going to accomplish in the first round, second round, third round. There's no real question as to what they do. So... I was reading on NBCSports.com. They were looking at all of the potential first-round uh, picks. And they were looking at every, or almost every, top 
like drafting website or mock draft and what they chose for pick number 21 if they chose pick number 21 if they made moves they say that so let me just go through this for a second so NBC Sports Boston Phil Perry said Bernard Rainman offensive tackle Central Michigan Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay said Nakob Dean from Georgia Chad Router NFL.com said Zion Johnson uh from Boston College, trade 24 uh, for 21, and I'm guessing other stuff. So they picked Johnson at the 24th pick. Maurice Jones-Drew, uh, Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Utah. Uh, Peter Schrager from NFL Network, Trent McDuffie, cornerback, Washington. Luke uh, Easterling, USA Today, Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback, Clemson. Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports, Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Utah. Uh, Vinny Ayer, Sporting News, Jameson Williams, wide receiver, Alabama. Connor Orr, Sports Illustrated, Devin Lloyd. Rob Rang, Quay Walker, linebacker, Georgia. And then Walter Chapritsky, WaltersFootball.com, Devin Lloyd, Utah. So, here is some of the top mock drafts of, like, I'm guessing, um, like, the most recent. Because this came out April 22nd. So, uh, within, like, a couple days or a day or so, these are the top choices. So, of this list, you can see there is a lot of defense, a lot of offensive line. Surprisingly, only uh, one wide receiver on this list, which, honestly, I thought there would be more, but I don't think they should go for a wide receiver. So, I think for the Patriots, the draft in pick 21... It's all dependent on where players go beforehand. This is an interesting situation uh, for me because I feel like it's going to be dictated about the first round. It's going to be dictated on how the first 20 picks go and where people go from there. So if there's a lot of quarterbacks that go off the board, which I don't think there's great quarterbacks in the first round, at least um, at the top, because... The top 10 picks shouldn't be quarterbacks unless somebody trades up to, to get one, which I don't see why you would. That means more defense, more offensive linemen, you know, those types of guys, wide receivers will go off the board. And so it's all kind of like dependent on where the Patriots are sitting at 21 in terms of who's available. Because if there's nobody at 21 that piques their interest because all the guys they wanted were already taken... Then they could choose to move down and get someone who they like, but weren't going to spend the 21st pick on them, but would spend 29 or 31 or 33. So the way this draft is going to go, in my opinion, and if they choose to trade down or even trade up, is based on where players are going. So if there's a guy available at 19 and they feel like, you know, the 19th pick, they can trade up and get him and kind of take, um, you know, kind of jump over two teams, great, then they'll do it. But if they feel like the guy they want is not there at 21 and there's a great player who's probably going to be there at 29, they'll consider trading with Kansas City, right? If Jamison Williams is on the board or Chris Olov or one of the top tier wide receivers, don't be surprised if people are calling the Patriots because the Patriots love to trade down and maybe a team at 27 or 28 or 29 or whatever, uh, could move up to get a wide receiver that they like. Uh, that is, uh, by all means, something I could easily see taking place in New England. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of where they go in this draft. And there's a lot of great players potentially available. And so I'm going to give you my mock draft. And this is after me looking at everything and kind of giving you what I could see as the best option for the Patriots and where they can go and kind of what's their their plan. Uh, so I'm going to give you my mock draft after... Um, looking at everything, I've given you a bunch of mock drafts. They've all been kind of different in ways. This is my official one. I'm not going to put one out after today because we're just going to see how it goes and we'll see if any of these choices are right. Um, and this is putting all of the sort of options on the table and seeing what they need to do and where they can go from here. And yeah, this is my mock draft. So the Patriots are going to make a trade, and they're going to trade pick number 21 for pick number uh, 24 and pick number 88, which is in the third round. So the reason why I did this is because I think the Patriots aren't going to want to move too far down the, in the draft, but I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to want to move up. They don't have Amari uh, Cooper anymore. Uh, I think they also lost another uh, wide receiver to the Dolphins, and so... They still have C.D. Lamb, and there is, uh, you know, he's still there. But adding in another wide receiver for the uh, Dallas Cowboys would be ideal for them. I think there's going to be one of Chris Olaf or Jameson Williams uh, on the board. And I think we're going to see one of those guys, whoever's available, go to Dallas. Because Dallas is going to want to step in front of Green Bay. They're going to want to step in front of maybe... Um, the Cardinals, who lost Christian Kirk. So the Patriots really are just moving down a few spots. And they're going to draft Andrew Booth Jr. cornerback. Uh, and I think this is a popular choice uh, for Patriots fans. And while I do think a linebacker like Devin Lloyd or Nakob Dean would have been an ideal choice as well, I think there's more options in the second round for a linebacker. And if... I felt like Devin Lloyd or Nicope Dean were like solid, solid, like these guys are like can't miss prospects, then yes, I would choose one. But I think Andrew Booth Jr. is the real deal. And losing J.C. Jackson is going to be tough for this team. They also traded away Stephon Gilmore last year. They got rid of him. So there's a lot of need for a solid corner. And yes, Malcolm uh, Butler's back. And yes, they brought in Terrence Mitchell, but I just don't see those guys really fitting long-term. You have someone in Andrew Booth who comes in. He's fitting here long-term for sure. So I think this is the best choice for the Patriots. Um, if they really wanted Devin Lloyd, um, then I think you know I would have chose it, but I don't think that's the case. So, pick number 54, we're going to go with linebacker Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. So, I've basically been contemplating what linebacker to go with at 54. I was torn between uh, Chad Mama, Leo Chanel, Christian Harris, uh, there's um, Andrew, Troy Anderson, uh, I think he's from Montana, or one of those... Um, Midwest schools up there. Uh, there's a few linebackers I've been kind of toying with as a choice here at 54. I do think the Patriots will go with a linebacker at 54. Um, I think Leo Chanel is probably their best choice and I think could be a sleeper pick at 54. And 
there's a lot of connections uh, between Christian Harris and Alabama and the Patriots, but I just don't think that's where they're going. Leo Chanel is my pick. Pick number 85, uh, and this one is a pretty good move, if I say so myself. Uh, guard Dylan Parnum. So I do like the choice of um, Dylan Parnum as a you know Patriots draft choice here. I think he gives this team a lot, uh, and I think they need to upgrade at the guard because um, when it's all said and done, Isaiah Wynn's leaving the team next year because we're probably not going to keep him around unless he can prove to us that he's worth staying. Um, they lost Shaq Mason, and they you know have uh, a big need on the offensive line. And when you had Dante Skarnecchia there taking the line uh, class and giving them sort of his way of coaching. And he was great, and that's why they were good on the offensive line during Tom Brady's tenure. But he's not there, so you have to kind of, you know, build through the draft and through free agency and whatnot. And they've had success with guards in the third round and the sixth round and everything else in between. Second round, all over the draft. So I think this is the perfect choice for um, their team. I think it's a good move. And... I would not be surprised if this is where they go. Now we have pick number 88, which comes from the Dallas Cowboys, which is going to be Calvin Austin, wide receiver, Memphis. So I felt like wide receiver is not an ideal starting point for the Patriots in the first round because it's not a need now that Devontae Parker's there. It is a position they should focus on in the middle of the draft and more so the upper middle of the draft. Calvin Austin is a good choice as a wide receiver, and I think he is the best um, wide receiver at this point for the Patriots. Then we have pick number 127, Zion McCollum, cornerback, Sam Houston State. So I am doubling up in this draft on cornerback, which is something that a lot of mock drafts have the Patriots doing. They need more help on that spot. So they're going to go with Zion McCollum here. Um, I, a lot of these prospects I don't know a ton about. I'm just going off of fit and need for the Patriots because um, I'm not as big on college football prospects as I am more so college basketball ones, but McCollum is um, the choice here. Then we have pick number 158. We are going with tackle from Tulsa, Chris Paul. Um, and Chris Paul is... Um, going to be the Patriots' uh, second offensive lineman chosen in this draft. Uh, potentially can fill in where they need him to or just be off the bench when they uh, need uh, fill-ins for injuries. Um, so we're going to go with Chris Paul right there. Then we have pick number 170, Tyreek Smith, edge, uh, Ohio State. So at this point in the draft, we're going to go with an edge, uh, and we're going to go with um, what I believe at this point to be the best edge rusher, and I was looking at a bunch of mock drafts to try and find someone at 170, and uh, Tyreek Smith's name came up around 170, and I know all mock drafts in theory are just a lot of speculating, you know, you don't actually know where the players will go until it's all said and done, and while we do know Jameson Williams is a first round pick, we don't know if he's going to go 13, or 27, or 21, or 23, or seven we don't know what you know his draft position will be and so i think with most kind of players and more so most mock drafts you go with what you already drafted and where 
um, they need to fill holes. And so with pick number 170, I went with Tyreek Smith. He could be pick number 170. He could be pick number 164. He could be pick number 180. I don't know, but I'm going with what I think is the perfect choice here. Then we have um, another uh, trade, and this was not something that I came up with myself. This is something I saw online, and it really kind of made a lot of sense when reading it. So the Patriots get pick 190, which is from the Falcons. The Falcons get pick 200, and Nikhil Harry. Now, the Falcons have had issues at wide receiver, and taking a chance on Nikhil Harry, who was a former number one overall pick. Maybe he doesn't work in New England, but maybe he works with the Falcons. And with that pick, we are going to go 190, Kyle Phillips, wide receiver, UCLA. So the Patriots, and I'm going to say this, are going to have three wide receivers come out of this draft. Calvin Austin from Memphis, Kyle Phillips from UCLA, and Slate Bolden, who's going to be an undrafted free agent who the Patriots sign uh, afterwards. He's not going to get drafted. Slate Bolden's going to be uh, an undrafted free agent like Jacoby Myers, he's going to come in and potentially he could be another great wide receiver from the undrafted crew. But Kyle Phillips, Calvin Austin are my wide receivers that I chose in this draft. And I thought they had to go for two of them because they do still um, have a need for wide receiver, even though they added uh, Devontae Parker. And then pick number 210, I went with Hassan Haskins running back from Michigan. So I was actually reading an article a little while ago, and it looked at how um, the Patriots in Belichick's drafting era have drafted players from Michigan the most, um, and he loves Michigan players. Uh, he drafted Chase Vinovich. He obviously added in Tom Brady, and um, you know, one of the guys who could be a Patriots draft pick this year is Daxton Hill, who's in Michigan. He's a potential first-round pick. So uh, I went with uh, a running back here because we need a running back. It's not our biggest need because we already have two of them who are kind of filling in very nicely. But I do think that is something to to talk about because I think there is a need for uh, the wide receiver um, and the running back, but they're just not as pressing of needs as some of these other positions. So that is my mock draft. That's like the last one I'm going to put out before Thursday. And that's what we're going to be going with. And that is my picks.